Hello and welcome to UX Like Us. I'm Roman Burkott and joining me today is Larry King. Larry Larry King, that's me. <laughs> How's it going, Larry? I'm all right. How are you doing, Roman? Good. So uh, the UX Like Us podcast, uh, we're here to address the heavy hitting issues that address the user experience strategy and design community. Today, we're going ambitious. We're going to answer the big question so that nobody ever has to talk about this again. And what is that? (laughs) (laughs) The big question, can you design a user experience? Does user experience design exist? Oh my gosh. Um, Yes, it does. Now, whether we do it or not, I don't know, but uh, it does exist. It exists. The end. Never speak of this again. Um, so a little bit of background on the issue is, um, I, I first became a user experience designer around 2003. I read this little book called the elements of user experience by Jesse James Garrett, best airplane cocktail napkin illustration, uh, (laughs) ever, Mm -hmm. uh, got a lot of mileage out of that. opened my eyes. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is brilliant. And it talks about all the different layers of what goes into a user experience. And at that point, I considered myself a user experience designer. And then I, I think it was around like 2009 that I see some recording of a conference with Jesse James Carrot talking to people. And uh, I couldn't find it in preparation for the show, the, the specific video. But the long and the short of it was that user experience design doesn't exist that that you can't design a user experience Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you broke my heart jesse (laughs) but i I seem to remember him at some other conference saying we're all user experience designers and that's all we've ever done so i'm 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 trying to line up when your experience with him saying something different and when i heard him say this other thing that seems contradictory happened so since i couldn't find the original source material we'll set uh jesse james garrett aside in general there are you know a couple of camps it would seem people who seem to think that you cannot design a user experience and then there's the rest of us who 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 seem to disagree i've never been one to like quibble over the names that we call each other um i've been mostly in the camp of let's just use the words that people understand so that we can just get our foot in the door and be effective and 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 try to you know deliver the best products we possibly can and whether it you know if they want to call us user experience designers fine if they want to call us product designers fine i'm 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 not as worried about that but then um so I've never been, you know, a, a, a big stickler of, oh, we have to be this name versus this name. I don't like mm-hmm. to get into those arguments much because I don't think they're usually productive. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think I had a bit of a, an epiphany um, over the last week about this whole experience design thing. I'm dropping the user part of it and just saying experience design because that's what you know people talk about. It's like user experience there may be user experience design, but I think there definitely is a thing called experience design. And the reason why I say that is like, I just spent five days at Disney world last week. Uh-huh. Now this is the f- 
first time that I've ever been to Disney World. So I've heard about and I've read about, I've heard, you know, people talking about the experiences and 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 how they design them and 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 how they're really sticklers about the service design and they they really pay attention to the details and all of that stuff. But until you actually go in there and you know and experience it, I think it 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 just never drove home the point as well as it did, but actually going there. Um, so, um, you know, a couple of examples of that is most service experiences that you have don't even come close to the service experience you have at Disney. Now it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not perfect. There's definitely, you definitely see cracks in it. And I think almost because they're so good at it, the cracks are even more obvious. Mm, um, but um, I think that, you know, compared to any other service design um, experience that you ever have, Disney gets it right a way higher percentage of the time. Um, now, like I said, they're, when there's cracks, they're very, very obvious. I'll give you one example. Um, so, of course, I have younger children. I've got, you know, five, eight, and 10-year-old, and there's two of those are girls. And so we had breakfast at the Cinderella Castle Mm-hmm. Um, one day at, um, at Disney world. And part of that experience is, you know, you get in the, you get in the park early and there's nobody there, which is kind of cool. Cause you know, we previous days that we've been there, it's like, you know, wall to wall people. So you get in there early and you go up to the castle to say, Hey, we have a reservation and they don't address you as, you know, Oh yes, Mr. King, Mrs. King. And it's like, Oh yes, they treat you like you're royalty, like you're nobility, oh, right? They're like, oh, the, the the king and queen from Sterling, Virginia, are here and stuff like. You know, they're just like they're very, you know, they're like they're talking to you like you're actual like nobility coming to the castle to meet with Cinderella and have breakfast there, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's really cool. It's like okay, it's like there's like a little bit of magic there. I mean, it's, it's like a really big castle and it's like really cool just being there. It's like wow, it's, they actually made this gigantic castle and put it here. Um, and then there's all these people pretending like you're nobility and all this stuff. And it's really kind of a cool experience. You know, they're trying to like, you know, provide this magic that you're actually there to see somebody who's actually Cinderella and eat at her castle. Once we get our reservation, there's like, they, they, they show us in, we have to go into a room and then you stand in line to, you know, have breakfast or have your picture taken with Cinderella. Mm, okay. And then they instruct you to, you know, sit down and you can't go upstairs until you get your royal invitation to go upstairs. Oh. Right? So that's all pretty cool. It's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. You get your royal invitation. But the woman who is calling out people's names to give them their royal invitation sounds like she's calling out names at a Bennigan's for breakfast. <laughs> it's like... King party table for two. You're ready. You, you, your royal invitation is now ready. I mean, it's like it's like all this magic and all this planning and all these things to like make this like magical experience at Cinderella's castle. And this one person who's I don't know if they'd missed the training or how she got there. She right. obviously is not in on something, or she missed some piece of the service design. Um, education and it was just like <laughs> oh wow like I said it's like that crack was so obvious and just weird because everything else is so well done and so the, those experiences I think were like you know the, the, the amount of planning that Disney has to go through to make that service experience end to end um, little details like you know everybody who works there 
calls everybody else. They're all cast members, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's consistent from, you know, whether you're at the Polynesian you know, Resort or you're at the Magic Kingdom or you're at Epcot or you're at any of the, the Disney properties. They're, you know, they always refer to each other as cast members. And like little things like that are just like consistently across, you know, all of your service experiences. There's certain little things too. Like, you know, if you like, they have these things where you like, my kids had these buttons like we're first time, you know, Disney World. Oh, nice. Years, right. Okay. And so certain cast members will pick up on that and then they'll just like talk to you and they'll just like mm. give you extra attention and ask you questions about what your favorite thing was. Um, I, I was walking through the park one day and I had my incredible shirts on and some guy, one of the cast members came to say, you're incredible. It's <laughs> just like, like, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, Oh, these little things that they're doing to make, you know, your, your experience, they're really cool. And just like, you know, a little bit magical. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny how like the, the little cues can get you a lot of mileage. So uh, for example, uh, we used to attend a church um, when we lived in Kentucky um, where the hospitality staff had all gone to, um, I, I don't know what Disney location, but there was basically a, a, a hospitality training program from Disney that they took. And so because of that, they were really, really like diligent about saying, People who come to our church uh, for the first time, they are not visitors, they are guests. And mm-hmm. everything was about a guest and a guest, and they even had like signage that said visitors, and they took it down and they fixed it with guest, you know, <laughs> guest relations mm-hmm. and all that. And it was just, it was those little cues that they were really diligent about to help us all, because, you know, I was like a greeter, I opened the door for people when it was snowing, so to get them in and out faster, right? Um, but that level of attention that they were paying was, was helping people feel more comfortable and, you know, just kind of make the whole Sunday morning routine flow more smoothly. So I I know what you mean as far as like just paying attention to those little things can really pay off in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Like one of the little things, another little thing that I I would notice that was just fascinating to me is like, I never ran across a full garbage can there. Oh, like there are like tens and thousands of people in a small area and around like food service places. And it's just like, there was never a full garbage can, like little things like that. It's like, that is just amazing. Tons of people walking around, like picking up little litters and everything around as well. But um, yeah, it was just little things like that were just, um, you know, really, really well done. And and like I said, the, the, the percentage of times that they get it exactly right at Disney is like way higher than any other, um, service experience you have so that's one side of um you know that's that's sort of the one side of the experience that you know is like you know the service design part of it but there's another part of experience i think is really really interesting about disney and i think this is coming from me as being as a newbie is you know i'm from you know i love roller coaster parks i've been going to roller coaster parks for a very long time i'm sort of a thrill seeker my kids are obviously <laughs> picked up on that as well and we'll go to a roller coaster park and ride you know big fast tall you know roller coasters all day long and love it nice um now disney's not that kind of park right they right. don't they do have some roller coasters right and but that's not their main thing mm-hmm. um and when they do have roller coasters they typically work in some sort of storyline into the experience. Like for instance, at the animal kingdom, there's the Himalayan um, uh, ride roller coaster where you, the, there's a Yeti and you get on the roller coaster, you go up and you go down while of something, and then you go up this around this other thing and then it stops and the tracks are all ripped up. 
like oh. the Yeti had like ripped. <laughs> so you get to the end and it's just like, oh, the tracks are gone because <laughs> the Yeti has ripped them up. And then you, then, you know, you sit there for a while, try to figure out what's going to happen next. And then you eventually you fall backwards and you do a bunch of things backwards and it, eventually you meet the Yeti. So it's, you know, it's a roller coaster and it's got the hills and it's going curves and drops and all that stuff. But it also has like a storyline in it, Smart. you know, so there's like little surprises and stuff like that. Um, and then finally, um, one of the most amazing experiences I had was a ride that I, uh, a genre of ride that I've never been on before. It's not, it's not a roller coaster and it looks like one. it's like inside or inside. Right. And it looks like, like one of those hanging roller coasters mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of cars in front of you. So you like get in your seat and there's like a car in front of you and car behind you. And I'm just like, what is going to happen here? Is this like an indoor roller coaster? And we're going to go like inside and stuff. I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And when the ride started, all those, these cars like went up straight up in the air and made like a huge, like probably three or four story wall. And there was a big giant screen and it was basically, you were soaring around the world on what seemed like a, um, uh, uh, a hand glider. Right. (laughs) And so, and you would get the acceleration of diving and going up and going side to side. And you felt like you were actually flying through the air because there was like wind blowing on you and stuff too. Right. (laughs) So you're like, you feel like you're blowing through the air. You're flying over Mount Everest. You go through Paris around the, the, um, the Eiffel tower and things like that. And it was just like, I wasn't expecting, I had no expectations for this. And just like the, the joy and surprise of just like having this really immersive experience was just like, Really, really cool. And so when I'm thinking about, you know, when people talk about experience design now to me and how mm-hmm. I think about it, it's like, that is actually designing experiences. You're like actually creating experience for somebody. Whereas what I feel like we do as UX designers, we're, and this is where I'm going back to, you know, what's, what do we call it? What's our names again? Um, I feel like we just make good products. And we're not really designing experiences on the level of what I you know, went uh, against, you know, when I was at, at, at Disney. Yeah. I mean, I, I would buy that. Like, you know, I, I, I guess the way I look at it is that maybe a lot of user experience designers or experience designers in general might be claiming a little bit more than what they're doing um, in terms of, oh, well, you know, I basically convert spreadsheets into, you know, a, an iPad app and then you look at numbers is that a is that an experience design? Maybe not on the scale of, of a Disney, but I I think true to kind of those uh, those those words to kind of you know keep you mindful of that by thinking of ourselves as experienced designers. Uh, you know, maybe that could help us to be more mindful of the fact that the the pixels on the screen are not the point in and of themselves. That that you know that user experience that or that UI for that matter that you're designing is in service to some kind of an experience. So, kind of going back to the Disney example, uh, I was reading recently about um, a new mobile app that they've either been working on or recently launched that's designed around making the in park experience better by doing things like having um, little mini games that you can play with your family. And this all comes out of like research where they noticed families standing in line and everybody's like on their phone, just swiping endlessly waiting until they get their turn on the ride. They're playing charades. There's a charades app on there. That's what you do. Like you play charades when you're standing in line. So that's fantastic. I mean, because again, in the sense of, you know, does designing a mobile app, is that really an experience design? 
Not exactly. However, um, you know, when you when you think about it and through that lens, it's like, oh, the thing that's happening outside of the device, the thing that's happening outside of the screen, that's the experience, right? That's that's what's happening, you know, between somebody's ears. Yeah, I, I, I can see that um, after my, you know, uh, experiences last week at Disney, I when I think of experience design now, I just think of it in a different way because I experienced some incredible things that I had never had done before. And now I like think about it as like, well, do people who make movies, are they experienced designers? Because they make these very immersive experiences too. You know, you, you know, the, the, the point of a movie, hopefully like a really good movie is like you shut off what's going on around you and you are immersed into what's going on. And that's an experience that you have. That's very designed and lots of work is putting into. And, um, there's a lot of analogies to, you know, things they do in, you know, in, in Disney, in these, in, in these rides, you know, there's a, there's usually a storyline. There's, it's not just, you know, a bunch of Hills and speed. It's, you know, there's usually a storyline behind it. And so there's, it's like telling you a story and that's part of it. And it's really more immersive than, you know, some of the things that you're doing. So, and we often talk about like, well, design should be invisible. It's like the, the the product should like, you, you should not think the product's there because it's so easy and it just like falls in and everything, you know, and everything, your goals are just met really, really easily in a very frictionless way because you've got this product that makes it super, super frictional or super frictionless. Whereas like these experiences are like, no, these weren't actually taking over your, your cognitive load here and you're <laughs> definitely being drawn into this and, 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 and brought into it. So now when I'm thinking about experience design, I'm thinking about the immersion into something that we're actually taking over what's going on and what, what your experience were is like when we're designing products, eh, we just want it to you to get your work done. I think we probably think through the lens of, uh, um, uh, enterprise software, you know, a lot of times as well. So, you know, um, when you're when you're working on a software for you know the the car buying experience, you know that's that's probably a little bit more experience oriented than a just get out of my way experience. But again, you told me about a, a, another experience you guys had uh, on your on your trip to Disney World that to me was one of the most impressive things that I'd heard, which was that you get to the airport and you don't claim your bags; they just show up at the hotel. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So there's one of those things where, you know, design is invisible and yet the actual amount of work that would have been required to pull that off seamlessly was sky high. I mean, you know, there, there were probably people in meetings that were going like, this is ridiculous. We're not going to do that. That's that's too much. It's it's too hard. You have to have agreements with the airlines. You have to have people on the ground at the at the airports taking those bags off the line and putting them into cages and put and, and taking them there. There's actually um at the um, the concierge desk outside the the resort, there is somebody there that will check your bags um, on your way out. Um, and we did this as well so that we could go to another park like half the day and then just take a you know a Lyft or an Uber straight to the airport. And he actually works doesn't work for the resort; he works for the airlines. Wow! And so he was actually you know so he just checked your bag and 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 took all that and tagged them and everything, but he didn't even work for the resort. So just the amount of logistics to make that happen is you know, phenomenal. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, either way, I mean, n- neither one of us is advocating for the, the, the counter argument that the experiences can't be designed because you have no control over what happens between, 
between the ears of uh, the end user. Um, I don't, I don't think I buy that. I think you can make things as, you know, as delightful as possible. Kind of going back to the luggage example, right? Like you can design that. And for most people, it's just fluid and delightful and barely even noticeable if at all, you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't really appreciate how great of a service that is. And then when it goes wrong, (laughs) you know, for the two or three people who invariably would have, you know, run into some kind of issue with lost baggages or something, then you see like, oh, this is, this is a very big deal. But, you know, so yeah, you know, for those people where it went, you know, your design uh, went off the rails or the, the intended experience did not deliver what you had in mind, that doesn't invalidate all the work that went into, (laughs) you know, what you were trying to put together for everybody else. No, exactly. Um, And yeah, I think you made a good point about like the consumer experience versus enterprise experience. We definitely do come from more of the enterprise software side of things. And um, while people are always talking about, oh, yeah, we need to have there's must haves in products and then there's the lighters. If you're talking about the Kano model, (laughs) um, do (laughs) it's just like do enterprise software consumers really want to be delighted? I, I, I don't know. I mean, they want to get their work done and they want things that make them better at their job. Um, but is it delight that they want, or they just want to feel like they're, you know, they're kind of like a Superman because they've got this tool that can, that makes them better at their job and which, you know, provides more value to their boss, which provides more value to their boss and to their company and all that. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, enterprise software is weird. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, historically that it's always been more about like the usability side of things like, well, can somebody accomplish what they were trying to do? Good, that's good enough. But, <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It doesn't take a, a you know a user study, a, you know a, a efficiency study to to see that that's also kind of soul sucking and you know not not best for the efficiency of your workforce. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, like I say, I, you know, if if anything, I, I see people who are you know trying to contradict the the ability to design experiences uh in fact today when i was looking for the jesse james garrett uh video i i saw somebody who who wrote an article and kind of you know his thing he was slicing it pretty thin he was saying like you know we don't design the experience we design for the experience I'm like you know come on that <laughs> okay so let me let, let me go back on this a little bit so i think while the experience has been designed, the experience you have can vary widely from person to person. Sure, like sure. for instance, I, you know, we're on this ride app called, called Mars mission to Mars. And it's like one of these, uh, um, uh, centrifuge type of things where it's like you get, you actually feel G forces cause you're like spinning around. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. since you're inside of a car, you don't know which way you do. You didn't feel like you're spinning around. You just feel the G forces and you go through a thing where you launch on a rocket and you take a trip to Mars and you're like landing and it crashes and blah, blah, blah. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff going on with it. Um, so there's a more intense version, which is the Mar- mission to Mars. And there's like a less intense version, which is the mission to earth. But we went to the mission to Mars for one first. And my five-year-old daughter, while she said she loved it, uh, was crying on it because like <laughs> it was so intense. I mean, you were when during the rocket launch, you felt your face like pushing oh, back wow. like G forces. I mean, you felt like you were actually, actually on a rocket taking off. 
right? You felt those ty- <laughs> those type of G forces. And so while some of the people would be like, "Oh yeah, that's really great," and then some people would get a little motion sickness, like, "Oh, I feel a little sick," and then like you know, a little kid who's like, "Ah," and crying about it. But then you know, afterwards saying it was great. So everybody had a different experience, mm-hmm, but yet mm-hmm. that experience was designed, right? Right. <laughs> so. And there was a there was a rendering of intent. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's funny. It sounds like those things have really come a long way since, uh, like, the last time I did one of those kind of, like, 40 experiences. I think it was, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and they were just, <laughs> you know, like, blowing cold air on your ankles when the mice escaped from the lab. Like, oh, oh okay, yeah, wow. That, yeah. that was worth my 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> that's It's amazing, though, that you, you had such a good experience there and that it, you know, created great memories, um, you know, living close to Disneyland here, uh, I have opportunity to, to go pretty frequently, but I, I don't. Um, mostly just because of the, like, the crowds thing. I, I don't deal well with lines and waiting and crowds. And and for that matter, you know, cranky kid. Um, he's, yeah. He's not the most patient guy. So um, Disney's never been a big hit for me, but when you see that, you know, they're doing everything they can to, um, you know, to ad- advance uh, the experience and leaving basically no stone unturned, right? Like the idea of coming up with a mobile app that entertains you while you're standing in line or points out some, you know, hidden, uh, I think, I, you know, like, oh, there's a Peter Pan hidden up in the top left corner. Can you find it? You know, there's five minutes of keeping your kid occupied <laughs> that you wouldn't have yeah. necessarily had otherwise. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, we tried to avoid lines as much as possible when we could because, um, you know, they can get really long. And they got the whole fast pass system so that you can like, you know, mm-hmm. um, if that's if you get the pass fast pass, um, then you don't have to stand in line for three hours for the Avatar ride, um, which is amazing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the Avatar ride is amazing. I mean, uh, let me let me just like you, you walk into this place. It's like it's 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 a it was like a, it was constantly a two hour wait, like the whole time the park was open, which is a short wait for that ride. Um, they actually designed the queues for that ride to hold like five or six hours worth of people. Wow. Yeah. Um, but we got, we had a fast pass for it. So we actually, we, 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 it took us like 20 minutes in and out and it was the most amazing ride experience I've ever had. Right. You go, you go in and there's like a little movie and they talk about, you know, how you, they need to match your DNA with your avatar so that you can write on this banshee through the avatar world. And, um, so that's all funny. And they scan you and you can see them scanning, you know, all the people and everything. And then you get in here and you ride on this little motorcycle. It's like, it looks like a little cycle thing. It's like a, like a saddle, you know, you got one leg on one side, one leg on the other. And then it pushes you in, this thing hits you on the back, and as it's going through the pairing process to your avatar, you feel little tickles around your, your belly and your back and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little creepy, a little creepy. Um, and then, and there's this wall in front of you. And then once the ride starts, the wall just falls away. And it's this same sort of mechanism as the Soarin' Around the World ride, only it's way more intense and it's like, way more immersive it's got 3d glasses and you're going through and you're flying through the avatar world and you're flying over the ocean and water splashes on you and you can feel the wind and stuff and at one point in the midpoint it kind of slows down a little bit and you land in a cave and you can smell the cave right you can smell oh wow like the different parts of the right have different smells and you can smell that um but you you your 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 banshee lands and sitting on this rock and you see things going around but the banshee's breathing 
and you can feel the banshee breathing between your legs because between your legs, it's going in and out and you can hear it and it's going, what? and you can, it's like, it's like you're actually on this thing. It's really, really amazing. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. It's like the most immersive thing I've ever been on. I was like, wow, this is amazing. That sounds a, a heck of a lot more compelling than like virtual reality. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the, the screen is so big that you don't, if you don't purposely look up, because if you purposely look up, you can see people's like legs hanging down. You can see other people around you. But if you don't do that, you don't ever see anything but screen and like immersion. It's really pretty cool. You mean like a, like a double decker sofa? <laughs> it's exactly like a double decker sofa. <laughs> and it's not a terrible idea. It's actually a really great idea. Yeah, actually, it gives me hope for, you know, the, the long-term survival of, like, the movie industry, right? Like, traditional storytelling as we think of it now, you know, I, maybe it doesn't have a lot of shelf life left on it. But the when you start adding those layers of, uh, of interaction and, and uh, engagement, you know, ultimately, movies could be a whole different uh, art form before too long. Well, I mean, that's already happening with video games right now. So. Right, true, yeah. true. It's, and once it gets, you know once the you know the technology gets to the point where it's like super immersive even at your home then yeah people will never leave well you know it's funny because like i said uh, this goes back quite quite some time ago i worked at uh, an automotive uh website i don't remember which one i was working at at the time because i've worked at more than one um but we went to a training i want to say it was a, a uie event and uh one of the speakers was from Disney. I, I don't recall his name, but he was like the design dis- design director. And so his slides were killer, just like way over the top. And so like every transition and keynote, you know, would like, he didn't rely on like the, the Apple stock sparkles. He had like custom animated sparkles, right? <laughs> you know, Of course, probably picks up from Pixar. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, his whole deck was about like designing these really engaging experiences and everything. And I remember colleagues that were like, ah, well, you know, it's so disheartening because, you know, here we are just trying to help you find, like, do you want a used Prius or a new Prius, you know? And uh, I, I tried to be the optimist in that situation. I was like, you know, well, the the point still remains, right? You're, you're trying to think about, like, what's this mindset? What's this experience that you're hoping that the person on the other side of the screen is going to have? And then just doing everything you can to, you know, sand off those those kind of rough edges that, you know, break that uh, that illusion, uh, that that continuity. I think there's a lot of really easy things to do <laughs> to make that experience better. Because, like, if you like the traditional car dealers, like that 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 whole thing is a big mess and terrible oh, and scammy and everything. And then you have people, you know, companies like CarMax or even Tesla that mm-hmm. come around and say, "We're not going to do that bullshit, right? We're going to mm-hmm. just we're going to like, you know, you come here. Here's the price of the car. That's it. You know, you for the te- Teslas, like you go in, you." configure your car, you pay a lot of money for it, but you know exactly <laughs> right. what you're getting and you're going to get the, the car that you ordered and you don't have to deal with any of the, you know, the BS that comes with, you know, dealing with dealers, which we all know is a terrible, horrible, soul-sucking experience. <laughs> don't get me, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I, I think though uh, we've done a good job of, of cracking it apart that, you know, you can design an experience and, and, Maybe we're overstating things, uh, you know, when we say that we're designing user experiences, but 
uh, ultimately, that's the the goal of what we do, right? Even if we don't handle as as much of that <laughs> experiential uh, uh, immersion like you're talking about, we're still you know aiming for at least some some form of that. I think the other reason that I in, embraced the the label of user experience design was because uh, early on, you know, my main thing was interaction design. I really cared about how do you get from here to there and you know, what's the, what's the right affordance and what's the easiest way to do it. Um, but the field kind of demanded less specialization, right? You had to kind of cover a lot of stuff, um, which ultimately was well represented by uh, Garrett's model of the, the elements of user experience. It was like, oh, we got to think about the strategy. Oh, we got to think about the scope. We got to think about the structure and skeleton and skin, you know, and mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's, I think the other big reason why, you know, people who ultimately are doing software design, um, merit to still, you know, apply the, the label of UX designer. Right. Right. Yeah. And if like you look at, uh, the chart, I think uh, Dan Saffer made of user experience design, it's like all these, you know, this Venn diagram of a bunch of circles and there's, you know, there's interaction design and content strategy and, you know, uh, you know, ergonomics and, you know, it's like a whole bunch of things and they're all overlapping audio design even. And, you know, it's really just like so many different things, but yeah. Um, traditionally it's like, and that's uh, one of the problems with the, just using the UX design label. It's like when you get into these companies, like, Oh, well we have a UX designer. It's like, well, what do they do? It's like, well, they design the, the you know, the, the, the experience. It's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> they, it's like, well, here's all the things that we actually do. And they don't realize it's like, oh, it's content, it's user research, it's 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 all these different things and um and visual design, you know, it's like it's like it, there's so many different specializations you go to, and like when you're you're a UX team of one or very few, <laughs> you don't get the luxury of just doing one of those things. Right, um, right. So. Well, Larry, it was really cool hearing about your uh, Disney World vacation. Uh, definitely got to raise the bar on uh, my family vacations because <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. Uh, overall, uh, you'd recommend it to a friend or family member? Um, I I spent a truckload of money, and I'm not. V- too sad about it. You, you like how I was trying to trick you into using Net Promoter there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did not. Yeah, I, I on a zero to ten points scale. Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah. It was it was great. Um, the family loved it. I loved it. I want to go back. Um, I want to. Yeah, I, I I will spend another truckload of money to go there again. Yes. Awesome. Well, I think we uh, ultimately land on the same page as uh, believing that uh, user experiences can be designed and that uh, we still rate to, to use that label. But Oh, I was going to say we empirically proved it, but uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I was misled. I, I, I stand by my opening statement that uh, we're, we're putting this one to bed for good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next time. All right, see ya.